0: Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Hey, everyone, this is Greg Myers, the host of the Leaders in Payments podcast. And before we jump into this episode, I wanted to mention two quick things. First, March is Diversity and Inclusion Month. So if your company puts employees first and values diversity, let's talk about guests and sponsorship opportunities. Also, during this month, we're talking about open banking with execs from Trustly. I hope you'll tune in to those special episodes as well. Today, we have Ian Drysdale on the show. He's a self-driven man with a passion for innovation that changes the marketplace and for doing payments right. Ian is currently the CEO of One Inc. and is a true leader in the payment space with a resume that includes some of the biggest names and payments. So how did he get his first job at PNC? He simply cold called the CEO and asked him for it. For those of you that may not know, One Inc. is a leading digital payments platform for the insurance industry. They facilitate upwards of $20 billion in payments annually for the property and casualty space. They're currently growing exponentially at a rate of 50% per year. And their ultimate goal is to digitize the more than $1 trillion of paper checks floating around in the insurance industry in the U.S. alone. As far as what differentiates them from their competitors, not only do they have exceptionally deep knowledge of the complexities of the insurance industry, they provide a full digital experience to their clients that accounts for so much more than just payment processing. Tune in this week to hear about Ian's climb to the top and his expectations for the future of our industry. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Ian. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast.
1: It's great to be here today. Thank you
0: very much. Absolutely. So let's dive right in, if you don't mind. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live. So some of those more personal things, and we'll dive into your career a little bit later on.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I was uh, born in Montreal, Canada. I moved to the U.S. when I was about 10. I was a corporate kid. I moved around the U.S. quite a bit, so I got to learn about many parts of the U.S., went to university in Canada, then did my grad work at Florida Atlantic University in the Fort Lauderdale area. So I'm married, have three kids, and I now live in St. Petersburg on the water and try to get out on the water whenever I can. So I think that's me in a nutshell.
0: Nice. Great. Thank you for sharing that. If you don't mind, let's talk about One Ink. So tell the audience what One Ink does.
1: Yes, so One Inc. is the leading digital payments network for the insurance industry. So if you think about an insurance company then what you should be thinking about is paper. So there is over a trillion dollars of paper checks flowing around the insurance industry, the property and casualty insurance industry in the U.S. And our goal is to make all of those check payments electronic. So there are two kinds of payments that insurance companies are principally involved in. One of those is uh, inbound payments, And the other is outbound. So an inbound payment is a premium payment. So you might pay $200 a month for automobile insurance. And an outbound payment is a claim. So in the event that a car, for example, or a home is damaged, then you might submit a claim and we push the money out for claims. So all told, we handle about $20 billion dollars. Of payments at One Inc. in the property and casualty space. And that's growing at about 50% a year. Okay.
0: And just to be clear, so this is basically almost all types of insurance outside of healthcare.
1: That's correct. So the principal four types of insurance, perhaps five types of insurance that we get involved in are automobile, home, workers' compensation, life insurance for inbound for premiums and other smaller types of insurance that come up, whether it be pet insurance or perhaps insurance for consumer electronics or renter's insurance, that type of thing. But predominantly, we're doing automobile and home insurance as well as other lines.
0: Okay. And how
1: big is the company? We have upwards of 500 people and we are growing very quickly. I can't disclose revenue numbers, but we're becoming a fairly substantial entity. Okay. And how do you go to market? Do you have a direct sales force or partner channels or both? Both. We predominantly rely on our direct sales force. They get referrals from some of our partners. We are plugged into a dozen ERPs. In other words, companies that provide the backbone, the computing backbone of insurance companies, companies like Guidewire and Duck Creek and Majesco. This is what they do, is they provide policy management, claims management for insurance companies, and we are plugged into them so that their clients can get live with our inbound product in as few as days to get live. So those partners bring us a lot of business. And then we have partners for specific use cases in the space, and they bring us business as well. So I believe we're known as the entity that solves for insurance payment challenges throughout the space, and the companies that know us bring us business.
0: Okay. So is the pricing model, is it pretty much your traditional payments transaction fee type model or is there a SaaS component to it?
1: Yes. So we have SaaS components to all of our businesses, both inbound and outbound premiums and claims. There are SaaS fees that are far less expensive than an insurance company doing it on their own. Then just to Go back and forth on our inbound business. It is merchant acquiring, and we support north of ten payment types. So, in addition to standard payment types like Visa, Mastercard, Amex, Discover, ACH, we support Apple Pay, Google Pay, Venmo, PayPal, and many others. And some of those, about half of our clients, are convenience fee. They don't want the cost of interchange, and they want that to be a convenience to their consumers. And the other half are pass-through clients that look like somewhat standard merchant services clients. But what makes us really different on the inbound side is we're not simply doing the processing. We provide the full digital experience to our clients. So we provide what we call modals, which you can think of as pop-ups, which are compliant from a PCI standpoint. For our clients, we provide them with a portal if they want it. We provide them with a full PCI compliant IVR so that they can accept payments over the phone. We have our texting capability so people can pay via text and we can alert clients via payments on both text and email and prompt for pay. So when a insurance client comes to us, they're not really just coming to us only for payments. We are providing their full digital solution, whether it's for online, for phone, or for web. And that's just on the inbound side. Our pricing on the outbound side is a little different.
0: I appreciate you going through that. And then do you sell mainly in the U.S. or North America, or is it a global solution?
1: So right now, we're U.S. only. We're getting pulled with a fair degree of intensity into international. We receive phone calls from clients or potential clients in Europe and throughout North America asking us to move into their territory because there's really nobody that does what we do on a global basis. And we certainly see that as an area of expansion as we simply not only do payments, but we solve a lot of insurance problems.
0: Okay. And you mentioned something early on that I, I want to touch base on. You talked about all of the checks and paper payments being made. And obviously that's a pretty common theme in payments and certainly it is more so in the B2B payments world. But can you talk a little bit about what are you guys doing to help drive that sort of digital adoption? I mean, obviously we all understand going online and, you know, taking payments by phone and things like that. But what are there? what initiatives or type things do you do to help your clients move away from paper?
1: We have best practices that we uh, implement for each one of our clients. So we have them alert their vendors to the ability to take electronic payments. We provide consumers with north of 10 different ways to get paid. So if they have a claim and say it's $2,500 dollars, they can decide how they're going to receive that payment electronically, Venmo, virtual card, PayPal, and so forth. So every communication that the insurance company makes, whether it's inbound or outbound, they let the client know or the vendor know about electronic payments. In addition to that, something that we're fairly unique in regards to in the PNC space is we have our concierge service. So when we see a check for the first time for a vendor, whether it's a doctor or whether it's an attorney or whether it's an auto repair facility, we call them and say, how would you like to receive your payments in the future? And it's not just for that one carrier, it's for our entire network. So when a vendor signs up for electronic payments, they get it for all of our clients in the network. And we have north of 200 clients now that are part of One Inc.
0: Okay, and what would you say differentiate your company from your competitors out there?
1: Well, the first thing that we have is very, very deep knowledge of how insurance works. We just don't lose business to generic payment companies here at One Inc. So just as one example, Multi-party payments are a requirement of insurance companies. So, if someone's home is damaged and it's a, it's a substantial amount, say it's twenty or fifty or a hundred thousand dollars, it's not just a check or an ACH or some other payment modality going to the consumer. The mortgage company has to sign off, and the contractor has to sign off to fix the home. This is a very, very common use case, and typically that is a four to eight week process where the consumer has to sign and then the bank has to sign and then the contractor has to sign. We can do that in one day. We do that fully electronic. So with us, we are solving for all of the use cases of insurance companies, not simply for moving money in and moving money out. So we we tend to be very, very competitive in the space.
0: Okay, and... You talk about all those sort of approvals having to happen. Is that part of what's sort of built into the SaaS model? Is that sort of some software that they get as part of working with you guys?
1: Yes, absolutely. They get the full capability of everything that they would need to accept and manage. Premiums, including complete integration into their ERP. We know who has paid their premiums and who hasn't, and we have all of the digital follow-up. And then on the outbound side, we know how to work with our carriers to gain full sign-off on a claims payment and to make sure that everybody involved has signed off on those claims. So we have several dozen use cases that someone outside of insurance, they just wouldn't be able to pick up on the language or the use cases that are necessary to serve an insurance client, which is why we have very, very few competitors in the space.
0: Yeah, it's not as simple as just making a payment or taking a payment, right? That's correct. Okay, so where do you see the payments industry heading? So you can kind of couch it with your insurance viewpoint if you want, but where do you see it heading in the next, say, two to three years?
1: Right, so I think that there's going to be a huge shift towards real-time payments. There are multiple different companies coming out with real-time payments. Obviously, The Clearinghouse, Early Warning. Fed now; those are three in the U.S. We're seeing this around the world. Uh, the U.K. is fully rolled out with real-time payments. So real-time payments are going to be a huge change, going from sort of batch from the 70s and 80s and 90s to instant. And I don't think that millennials or zennials are going to put up with payments that take twenty-four or forty-eight hours when they could be paid twenty-four by seven by three sixty-five nights, holidays, weekends. So that is going to be a big shift in the business. And I think that authentication's are really a really big deal. So it's less popular in the US than it is around the world. I think that in Europe, for example, it was very common to have a password before you could use your visa yeah. <laughs> at your favorite online vendor. And there are other approaches to that with Apple Pay and the Google Wallet and say PayPal. But when people quote unquote sign for things digitally, it's going to be done and real. And that's going to really reduce fraud both in our industry as well as in other industries is that card not present transaction is going to be as much of a done deal as a card present transaction is today.
0: Sure. Do you see cryptocurrency playing a role in the future?
1: So, I only see cryptocurrency as having two real use cases today. One is cross border, which could be interesting, and the other is as an investment. And I do believe we could get to the point where we, amongst the other ways that we pay, we could offer crypto as a way we could pay for a claim. We're not being pulled there by ins- our insurance companies as of yet. Whereas I think that crypto is truly interesting, I just don't think we're there yet. Now, I do believe that central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, so, you know, say if the U.S. issues dollars with digital currency with crypto, in other words, the (laughs) the serial number on your greenback is actually going to be a digital representation of a coin called the U.S. dollar, I think we could absolutely get there. I mean, that makes a ton of sense, so... The days of doing things the way we do them today, I think will go away and the ledger will allow for use cases that we haven't seen yet.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting just, you know, thinking about the insurance space where, you know, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in the days of old, where we had a car accident and it would take, you know, months before anything was ever settled and certainly even maybe time after that before anyone saw any money. Now, a lot of these, I think, insurance carriers see the value in getting that payment made To disbursement out quickly. And even I think, you know, some of them allow you to take pictures of the damage. And I mean, it's almost like you said, a real time authentication and a real time payment is almost sort of what the expectation is these days. Is that sort of what you're seeing?
1: Yeah, we're getting there very, very quickly. We can near instantly pay today with virtual card or with push debit with vendors. We'll have RTP in the future, And it's fully integrated into these various systems that can help evaluate what the cost of a claim is, whether it's a home issue or a vehicle or or something else. So the speed of paying a consumer for a business for a claim is very, very heavily involved with the satisfaction level. Uh, we have one national top five carrier who has told us that they're seeing as much as a 10 point increase in their NPS score when they use digital payments through one Inc. And I think that that's emblematic of where we're going in payments is that those consumers expect a digital live mobile experience and they think it's, it should happen instantly. And Carriers who are wedded to checks or slow ways of doing business are putting themselves at risk.
0: Sure, sure. You mentioned also growing internationally, you know, maybe coming soon. Are there any other growth strategies that you're willing to share?
1: I think that we're going to be much more heavily involved with the UI and the UX around consumer. I think that that is going to be very, very exciting. We're working with a number of insure techs that are taking the industry by storm, such as Hippo and others that I can't talk about, which are the Silicon Valley type insurers of Tomorrow. So we're working with them on various UX, UI, and other payment use cases. You know, I think that we are going to, similar to Stripe, but with an insurance focus, be providing super easy ways to integrate to us. We already have APIs and SDKs, but we know how to take that entirely to a different level. And we're going to be doing that. So if you're an insurance company and you're interested in an entity that knows exactly what you do, and the problems that you have, and how they they can be solved, and who your new competitors are, we can bring an insurance company to the 21st century in a matter of a month or two. And that's our focus.
0: Okay, well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So maybe talk about your journey and how you got to your role there as the CEO.
1: Yeah, I started off, I'd had a little sales experience in university, and I graduated when I was 22, as a lot of people do. And I cold called CEOs around Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where my folks lived. And I got the CEO of the PNC Bank region on the phone and I asked him for a job and he hired me and he asked me if I wanted to do merchant services. I said, sure. I had no idea what merchant services was. <laughs> I could not figure out why a Verifone Trans 330 cost $330 at the time because it looked to me like a fairly basic piece of equipment. And that's how I wanted the business. I had a small merchant portfolio in Hershey Park and the Hotel Hershey and Hershey Chocolate World as my first clients when I was 23, 24. I then joined uh, Envoy, which is now first state in Nashville and I was soon selling nationally and had a little bit of success. And I was asked by the time I was 26 to run all the front-end products at First Data. And by the time I was 28, 29, I was running most of product management for First Data and Palo Alto. So that's how I kind of got going. I then ran my 1st PLs, did some national sales, became chief product officer at WorldPay U.S., And uh, then I ran national sales. I had 750 people for Alavon, and we grew that business substantially. So that was my merchant services background. And then Headhunter asked me if I wanted to run Zealous Payments here in Tampa, which was my first experience with disbursements and outbound, and that was a terrific business. We merged and recapped that business for $5.7 billion in 2019, which was a terrific outcome after very high growth. And then I was asked by Great Hill Partners to become an executive in residence. Okay. And what was so attractive about One Ink? One Ink is hyper attractive for a few reasons. One of them is that it really understands its clients, right? I've been at large processors where we're saying, let's get into this market or let's get into that market, that vertical market. We really didn't know what we were doing or who the players were or how decisions were made or what the culture is. We have all of that down. We understand who all the players are, we understand the various ways that they approach the industry, what their concerns are, what ratios they're trying to maximize or minimize to run their businesses, how they're valued in the industry, how the street values these insurance companies. So we really understand the market. I'd say that's number one. Number two, we solve for dozens and dozens and dozens of insurance-only use cases. We have many competitors who just can't figure out what we do or how we do it. And that is because our founder, Chris Ewing, has run insurance companies, has built insurance companies and sold them. So we have developed the capabilities to solve for many, many insurance use cases. So that is super attractive. And then we are very customer focused. We have a terrific sales force and client success team, and they are all over helping their clients' businesses and making them more successful. We don't have many competitors in the space. There are others who've tried to enter the space, and I think it's been a challenge. So the fact that we are known as the entity in the space, the, the number one player in the space. Is very attractive. We had a lot of insurance capability. I've brought in some team members who are from payments who are extremely strong. And we are marrying a lot of that insurance knowledge and capability to payments knowledge and capability. My goal is to ensure that our Payment friction is as low or lower than an Amazon or a Netflix. It has to be world-class. And if an insurance company is looking for that world-class capability with their own branding, then they know they can come to us. So that's why I came to Wanting.
0: Okay. All right. So what are some things you're personally passionate about? So maybe one work-related thing and one personal thing.
1: I'm really dedicated to innovation and changing the market and getting ahead of the market. And I'm very, very passionate about that. So we are working on, I'd say, 30-odd enhancements to the business and a couple that will really change the business. So I'm really interested in innovation and furthering innovation and investing two, three years out. And I'm highly passionate about that. And I believe that payments can be done wrong or right. And if done well, they become a massive differentiator in the marketplace. So I'm pretty passionate about that from a career standpoint. In terms of, you know, I do all the same things that everybody else does relative to my family. And I'm interested in various sports and things of that nature. But another thing that gets me really charged up is doing right by employees. I have always felt that way. I worked at U.S. Bank for nearly five years and they have it built into their DNA. And I learned a lot about how to build it into the DNA of a company. So in this environment of the big quit or the great resignation or the big reshuffle, we are investing very, very heavily in our employees. Many of them have equity. We have digital bonus programs that where everybody can bonus everybody else in the company that allow us to manage an at-home environment And we are constantly celebrating success. So I am tremendously passionate about doing right by our employees. And I believe that that's how we can provide the best returns to our investors.
0: Okay. And what advice would you give someone who's just starting out in payments? I mean, I started in payments 15 plus years ago and sort of fell into the industry and never have been able to get out. And this day and age, these college kids are taking courses about fintech and so much money being invested in payments and fintech and all the technology and cool different products and services being invented in this space. And so people see it as a career option nowadays, I think more so than in the past. So what would you tell them they need to do to be Successful coming into this industry?
1: Right. So, the first thing I would say is that it's an incredibly attractive industry because of the recurring payments nature. It gets a ton of investment and there's a ton of change because once you set somebody up for payments, they can keep on making payments. So, it's an extremely attractive and disruptive industry. I view the industry as the privatization of money and the digitization of money. So, it happens faster and faster with greater and greater validation of who the recipient is or who the originator is. And it's a huge disruptor. So I really believe it's a great industry. So I'll start with that. To move on to how to maximize your role in the industry, you should understand what you do in the industry better than anybody else. No matter what niche you're in, you should know your competitor's product, far better than you know your own. You should know the motivations of your company and the motivations of all of the companies around you. And you should be able to look at all of these massive shifts in the industry that are occurring, right? Credit to debit, alternative payments, speed with RTP, authentication. There are huge shifts that are happening in the industry and there are also paper tigers out there. There are shifts that are not really happening in the industry. and You should have a really good handle on that. You should look at both the data and listen to a lot of different bright people who've had different experiences so that you become the go-to person in the industry in terms of where the industry is going, what the next big investment is. I've always been able, through a lot of great mentors, to identify the next big thing in the industry, whether it was cloud-based POS or whether it was end-to-end encryption or whether it was some of the first gateways where we had 80% share at one point at in the late 90s and gateways at one of the companies I worked at. It's extremely important to figure out what's next because the industry is constantly obsolescing itself. It's constantly cannibalizing the last big thing. So it's very important to move on. And I do think that there have been false new things coming up and identifying those is important. I remember pay-by-touch as an example. Just because it's all over the news or podcasts or online blogs does not mean it's the next big thing. Look at the actual data versus the actual number of lines being written online about something. And you should be able to find the next big thing.
0: Okay. Well, Ian, we've covered a lot of ground about you, about the company, about the market. Is there anything else you'd like to
1: add before we wrap up? I think that... I just encourage everybody to be persistent. Don't let one failure knock you down. Get back up and keep going. Identify a different horse to ride if the one that you're on is not the right one. And find as many bright and smart people that you can to work with. Because even if they don't work with you today or if they do work with you today, those become your peer group and payments all the way through your career. So I'm hiring people and working with people that I haven't worked with for a dozen or 20 years because I know that they're terrific. So build that network and you should enjoy a great career in payments.
0: Okay, I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. So I just wanted to thank you for being here and thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast today.
1: Well, Greg, thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure and we appreciate the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story.